It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district? What on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, I can't understand that. Today's current opinions and ideas. And it's not fair just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose today. Strive for excellence, take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And I get to work with an amazing team, and that is producer Joe, producer Luke, Zach, Echo, Charlie, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Friday, producer Joe. Happy Friday, Kim. And a jam-packed show planned for you today, so be sure and fasten your seatbelt. Uh, check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. We send that out on Sundays. Very seldom do we send out anything else, so we promise not to just slam your email inbox. Uh, sign up for our weekly email uh, email email newsletter. There you go. And you will get first look at our upcoming guests and most recent essays. I think I just said that. And you can email me at Kim at Kim as well. The text line is 720-605-0647. And with the elections here, we're getting jammed up as far as any candidate that reaches out to me, I will get them on the show. And because of that, a lot of people are, are reaching out. And so we are, are getting a little compressed on our call-in time. So text me at 720-605-0647, and we certainly will try to address many of those things as well. The America's Veterans Veterans Story Show this Sunday, 3 to 4 p.m., we are rebroadcasting an interview, part one, that I did with uh, World War II bomber pilot Fred Weiss. And you will not want to miss that. We broadcast that a a couple of years ago and super, super interesting. So you will not want to miss that as well. I want to say thank you to the National Shooting Sports Foundation for their sponsorship of the show, their new goal sponsors of the show and it is just really great to have them. Uh, jumping right into things, I think the words of the day came from um, Joe. I think that our, our listener, Joe, I think she's, she gave me this. And it's ameliorate. And I actually stayed away from it because, you know, sometimes it's like a minefield as I'm trying to pronounce some of these things. But it's ameliorate. And it's A-M-E-L-I-O-R-A-T-E. It's a transitive and an intransitive verb. And uh, main definition is to make or become better, to improve. And I said, finally, there is at least uh, there at least as a narrative from the Biden administration that there will be some action to ameliorate the human tragedy and significant national security risk happening at our southern border. Uh, So there you go on that. On Fridays, I am sharing quotes from the Medal of Honor quote book from the Center for American Values. And the Center for American Values is a non-political organization. They are located in Pueblo, Colorado, on the beautiful Riverwalk. 
co-founded by Drew Dix, who is a Medal of Honor recipient for actions that he took uh, during the Tet Offensive in the Vietnam War, and Brad Padula, who is an Emmy Award-winning documentary maker. Um, and Pueblo is known as the home of heroes because there are four Medal of Honor recipients that grew up there. And so the Center for American Values is open seven days a week. This should be on your bucket list to go down, uh, and they're open 10 to 4, to see these portraits of valor. And it is, it's a solemn place. It's, it's just such a beautiful place, and these quotes. And uh, so we are now into Korea, um, Korean War veterans and their Medal of Honor quotes. And uh, it's by Reginald R. Myers, United States Marine Corps, Medal of Honor. He was born in 1919, died in 2005. And he said, God bless our Corps and God and our country. Semper Fi. And this is the, uh, this is the, what was read at his award when he would receive the award. It says, for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as executive officer of the 3rd Battalion in action against enemy aggressor forces. Assuming command of a composite unit of Army and Marine Service and Headquarters elements, totaling approximately 250 men, during a critical stage in the vital defense of the strategically important military base at Hagaru Ri, uh, Major Myers immediately initiated a determined and aggressive counterattack against a well-entrenched and cleverly concealed enemy force, numbering an estimated 4,000. I'm going to stop right here. When we sometimes look at this battle of ideas and we think, oh my gosh, the odds are against us. Well, you know, they probably are. But the odds have been against Americans before and Americans took action. So continuing on here. Severely handicapped by a lack of trained personnel and experienced leaders in his valiant efforts to regain maximum ground prior to daylight, he persisted in constantly exposing himself to intense, accurate, and sustained hostile fire in order to direct and supervise the employment of his men and to encourage and spur them on in pressing the attack. Inexorably moving forward up the steep, snow-covered slope with his depleted group in the face of apparently insurmountable odds, he concurrently directed artillery and mortar fire with superb skill, and although losing 170 of his men, think about that, during 14 hours of raging combat, 14 hours in sub-zero temperature, continued to reorganize his unit and spearhead the attack, which resulted in 600 enemy killed and 500 wounded. By his exceptional and valorous leadership throughout, Major Myers contributed directly to the success of his unit in restoring the perimeter. His resolute spirit of self-sacrifice and unfaltering devotion to duty enhance and sustain the highest traditions of the U.S. Naval Service. And again, he says, God bless our Corps and our country. And that's Reginald R. Myers. And I share these stories. I was sharing them every day, and I thought, I think, that I was diluting uh, some of the things, uh, diluting, I want to make sure I say that correctly, diluting some of these stories. And so that's why I've decided to share them on Friday so that we can think about it this weekend, that we can take heart from their courage. And again, that was Reginald R. Myers, Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, let's see, headlines, let me, I was doing these last night. I actually 
was taking my class. I had my class yesterday with uh, through IPAC-EDU, and that's Literature as Resistance. And I really could not contribute much last night because I was a little late in ordering my books. And the first book that we are studying is The Machine Stops. And I've not received them yet. And I'm like, oh, I wonder why I've not gotten them. So I basically just listened to the class. Uh, but I would highly encourage that you check out the fall offerings. It's not too late. Granted, you've missed a few classes, but they are all uh, recorded. So you can uh, catch up on that. But Dr. James Lines-Weiler has created this IPAC, that's IPAK-EDU, uh, pro, uh, different classes and matching up amazing instructors with all of these people that are intellectually curious. And uh, you can get more information by going to ipac-edu.org. So I was working on everything last night and I just, let's see. Oh, okay. Several headlines here. Uh, women are forced to swim with trans athlete at Virginia's Roanoke College. They slam the NCAA and U.S. A swimming for failing to protect their sport. Could not agree with that more. Uh, let's see. The next headline that we've got is uh, Disney's favorability plummets with conservatives after this whole Snow White con um, controversy. That's from the Daily Wire. Uh, this is from Fox News, and this is, I mean, you can see why, <laughs> why the radical activist Democrats and the Republican operative consultant class are just, just, they just don't know what to do with Trump. And Trump has said he would accept the House speakership for a short period while Republicans decide on a permanent replacement. Uh, and, uh, I mean, did you ever think some of this stuff is just, it's just almost humorous when we look at these headlines. And then this last one, this is from American Insider. It says that data shows which, or data shows which, uh, which cities illegals are headed to. And then it goes on. It says federal data tracking shows that, uh, tracking shows that roughly one in six illegal immigrants are being sent to New York City, Long Island, and the Hudson Valley. An additional 30% are heading to Chicago, Boston, Miami, and the San Francisco Bay Area. The next most popular destinations include Atlanta, Denver, Detroit, New Orleans, and the District of Columbia. It says, with the exception of Miami, all of these cities have laws or policies in place that exacerbate the problem of sanctuary cities. These Democrat strongholds prevent immigration and customs enforcement from enforcing federal laws by denying information about offenders and access to facilities. It says, despite a court order against parole, migrants were allowed to travel to these cities. Among the 2,572 illegal immigrants, 1,290 have not received a charging document for deportation proceedings, and 100 are accounted for. USA Today reported that 2.8 million migrants have already crossed the border this year under Joe Biden's open border policy. And if we don't think that there are some bad actors in that group, then I've got, uh, you know, I've got uh, a bridge to sell you. Uh, this is definitely a problem. Now, it does look like Biden may be at least alluding to starting to tr uh, secure the border. We'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. But my friends, we've got to connect a dot here, and that is is in our 
Bill of Rights in our Constitution, it says that we have a right to keep and bear arms. And the reason that that is there is to protect ourselves against bad actors. So these, as they mentioned, these Democrat blue cities like Denver and our metro area in many of the the, the uh, city councils here, that's why these city council races are so, so important, is there is um, laws that are being put into place that would limit everyday hardworking people's access to firearms and they chip away at it in many different ways. And so when you've got a legislature and a governor and city councils and mayors that are making it more difficult for everyday people to keep and bear arms. Meanwhile, down at the border, it has, we've had 2.8 million migrants that have come in. And I certainly understand there. I, when we talk about people wanting a better life, I get that. There is a legal way to get here, a, a legal way to get here. But many of these people are very low-skilled if they are going to be working. And I know from my experience when I was on the board of Lutheran Family Services that uh, actually the American taxpayer is paying for assistance, for rent assistance, food assistance, cash assistance, education assistance for these people coming across the border. And that is also at a time from an economic standpoint that everyday people are trying to just keep it together. Families are trying to keep it together to take care of their families with these higher taxes and inflation. It's all connected. And so that's why we need to understand the vision of America and also understand our Constitution and have these conversations. This has not been okay that 2.8 million people have come across the border and we don't really know who they are. And so there are people that have come for a better life, come for freedom, certainly. But there's bad actors that have come across the border as well. This is an invasion. And it's an invasion that has actually had the approval of, 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 our, of our leaders. And there are very strong words, if you really start to think about it, of what that means for our country. So we'll just, um, we'll just leave there, that there at that. Uh, one of the sponsors of our shows is Hooters Restaurants. And they have five locations, Loveland, Aurora, Lone Tree, Westminster, and Colorado Springs. And they have uh, great specials for lunch, Monday through Friday. I love their fish and chips. Uh, Wednesdays are Wings Day. You buy 20 wings, you get an additional 10 for free. And uh, the girls are coming over next Wednesday, so uh, we will be partaking of that as well. But again, it's a how I got to know them. It's an important story about freedom and free markets and capitalism and PBIs, uh, those politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties. And you can find that at my website. That's at KimMunson.com. And I am blessed with amazing sponsors, and one of those is the Roger Mankin State Farm Insurance Team. And they want you to feel safe and well-served and to understand your insurance coverage and know that their office will respond to your call or text 24 hours a day. So for that 24-hour peace of mind, call Roger Mangan at 303-795-8855. Like a good neighbor, Roger Mangan's team is there. Rosie's doing it. So is Yvonne. Same with Lori. Michelle's been at it since February of last year. Jody started the year before that, and guess what? They're all saving by doing so. What's that? Oh, the doing part? They're using the Drive Safe and Save app from State Farm. Then they're saving up to 30% and more on their auto insurance. How about you? Are you ready to get at it and save? Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855. Don't delay. Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855 today. 
Boson Law fights for clients who've been injured or family members who have lost a loved one due to the careless, reckless, or wrongful conduct of others. Whether injured in a car accident, suffered an injury due to a product or bad pharmaceutical drug, or need help fighting for medical care and benefits following an accident at work, don't go it alone and uninformed. Boson Law is the law firm you need in your corner. Time is of the essence with any personal injury claim. Call 303-999-9999 to schedule your complimentary consultation. That number again is 303-999-9999. Call now. Focused and wise marketing is essential for your success, especially during tough economic times. If you love the Kim Munson Show, strive for excellence and understand the importance of engaging in the battle of ideas that is raging in America. Then talk with Kim about partnership, sponsorship opportunities. Email Kim at KimMunson.com. Kim focuses on creating relationships with individuals and businesses that are tops in their fields. So they are the trusted experts listeners turn to when looking for products or services. Kim personally endorses each of her sponsors. Again, reach out to Kim at KimMunson.com. Hey, it's Friday. Indeed, it is Friday, and welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And I want to say thank you to the National Shooting Sports Foundation for their goal sponsorship of the show. They are new sponsors and so excited to have them on the line with me. And I talk about her a lot on the on the air, and that is Paula Sarles. And in fact, we were at an event recently and uh, she introduced herself to someone, and they're like, oh, I hear about you all the time on the Kim Munson Show. Paula Sarles, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> and Paula is a Marine veteran. She is a Gold Star wife, and she is the president of the USMC Memorial Foundation. And she is just so focused with her team to raise the money for the uh, remodel of the Marine Memorial out at 6th and Colfax. And you can get more information by going to usmcmemorialfoundation.org. But, Paula, you are tireless in what you are doing there, and it is so important. The memorial was dedicated in 77, so in 1977, so it is time for a remodel, yes? Yes, it is, very much so. And uh, our recent problems with the electrical lighting and stuff was a testimony to that. Right, and people stepped up to make sure that uh, you were able to you know, get the lighting so that the, the flags could fly 24-7. But you have so many people that help you with all these different events. And there is this charity poker tournament uh, that is this weekend that looks like it's going to be just a lot of fun. And John Powell is organizing that. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So tell us about the uh, poker tournament this weekend. Well, the VFW and the military of the Purple Heart, of which I am both a member, we I saw the need to raise money for the USMC Memorial, so I went to both organizations, told them that we should put on a tournament for you for the uh, raising funds for the uh, Marine Corps Memorial, and 
We, I have, I belong to a group called Ace Crack Poker League, which Marvin Sharp's the owner, and he has supported me whenever I need to raise money for the VFW. He supported me 100. percent He's great about helping military tunnel to towers. He just does this stuff. We're doing it at Aces Cracked. Um, I'm sorry, we're doing it at the Feltz Bar at 101 West Floyd Avenue. And they also, that's where I've done all my tournaments whenever I've done them, and the charity tournaments. And so, like I said, we put this together, and it's not my first rodeo on it, and uh, hopefully it won't be my last. <laughs> So now Feltz Bar 101 West Floyd is in Inglewood, correct, John? That is correct. So what's the details? And it's, prob- it's probably good to pre-register, yes, or tell us about yes, registration. Please. Yes, we definitely need people to pre-register because I didn't know that we were going to be able to be on the radio. So it goes. you go to acpokerleague.com. Up the right, right-hand corner, there's a button that says Register. Once you register, you'll put your name and, and phone number in. Then that'll take you to another drop-down, and that'll say what bar, Feltz Bar, and then go to the um, Golden Memorial and get registered. Because I'm expecting 80 people now, and we only can handle 80 people at the bar. Okay. That's all the room I have. Okay. And the other thing, people could uh, email you as well. That's what we have. So if you would go to um, the USMCMemorialFoundation.org, at the very top of the, the page, there is a banner. And you can click on that, and it brings up the information. And it says that people could email you at jmpal 2001 at comcast.net as well. And uh, a poker tournament, I, I've, I'm not really a poker player, but it sure sounds like it's a lot of fun. Do you have to be really good at poker to no. uh, sign up? No, you don't have to be really good at poker. And, and I, whenever I do my tournaments, I always tell the regular players, please be nice to the new players because we want to keep them coming. So, and they and they are good. And and like I said, uh, I have a core group. I can count on forty five to fifty guys that are members of AC of Aces Crack Poker League, and I, I know those guys are going to be there. So, yeah. Uh, how, how often does your league play? Oh, uh, we play. Well, they play. I only play on Monday nights and Saturday nights, but they have. Uh, venue at aceskrackpokerleague.com. You can go in and it'll give you the venue. He plays almost every night. Monday wow. Through Sunday. Yeah, okay, and the game's going. So, Paula, are you going to... Uh, I'll see you and I'll raise you. How's that? No, Paula, are you going to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you going to come camp? <laughs> you know, oh, I... Yeah, I'll be there and uh, I think Mary's going to be there to help and we'll have a donation table too, but it's going to be a lot of fun. People just love playing games, and I think it it's, gets you away from the everyday thing. And and the people are all you know veteran friendly. It's great. Well, we people used to do them for the Marine Corps League, and we had so much fun. I'm I mean, not sure. Not a lot of money involved in it. It's not like you know. Oh, that, yeah, that, the buy-in is a $40 buy-in with a $20 add-on. So you get $40 for 17,000 chips, and then the $20 add-on gives you a total of uh, 32,000 because you'll get another 15,000 in chips. So it's, it's going to be $60 buy-in is what it's going to be if you want that other add-on. So, okay. 
Okay. I'm not sure I would love I would love to just come and see. I'm not sure I can do that because I am working on the voters guide that uh, oh. the the ballots are going to drop here a week from Monday and uh I've got a lot of work to do. So if I get my work done, I will come over. But uh speaking of getting together, Paula, last week you were at the uh, Colorado kickoff of a climate change, and there were over 300 people of us, uh, and we were all out, out at Rockley's Event Center, and and I thought that was what was so great. That's where uh, I think you said somebody came up and said, "Oh, Paula Sarles, I know you." And just getting together in person is just so great. But that was a great like event a as well. <laughs> yeah, I know you're like a movie star, exactly. But that was a great event as well. Fun. Yes. Oh, yes, it was excellent. And I've already shared the CD or DVD that I bought there with several people. So and it's we're going ex- around. <laughs> yeah, and we're excited that next, well, Sunday the 15th, that that is uh, scheduled to be on Newsmax at 7 p.m. on um, Mountain Time. So we're super excited about that. But um, I just think this looks like so much fun. And John Powell. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your story of, of how you, you know, your your military service. Just tell us a little bit about that. Okay. I went in in, in 68, went to Nam in 69, came home in 1970, and that was about it. I was a mobile riverine force. I was Navy. And that's about all I can say. <laughs> uh, I have a feeling, normally, as you know, I have this show, America's Veteran Stories, and what I've learned with, um, you know, just just saying um, I was there for a year, and that's about all I can say. I always know that there's a lot a lot with that. So I, I do so appreciate our military and our veterans and our freedom, and, and that's why we do this show, John, is to engage in this battle of ideas because so many have been willing to give their, their lives or given their lives for our freedom, which that connects the dot right back to the, the USMC Memorial Foundation. And Paula, the memorial is, I, I think, there's so many people that care about our veterans, and there are you know monuments, memorials throughout the country, little parks, you'll see it, for our veterans. But the Marine Memorial at Six and Colfax is... An official Marine Memorial. So, so address that just a little bit, Paula. Right, it is the United States Marine Corps Memorial, and we have a couple. We have the War Memorial in D.C. that everybody's very familiar with, the Iwo Jima statue, and the National Museum of the Marine Corps. But this is the United States Marine Corps Memorial, and it's dedicated to all Marines for all time to honor Marines and remember all who served. So it's really more than just a Marine memorial. And um, our remodel will be really exciting because we're adding a building and and functions that will help veterans more than just going to visit a memorial. So we're hoping that people will get behind it. And it's a great way to remember somebody that you know that served or memorialize your own service with a brick. So we encourage people to buy a brick to donate. So, Right. And not it's not just uh, these pathways of service are not just for Marines. It will be from all. There's a one that will be for all branches of service. And so I purchased a brick. 
uh, for my father and gave him the certificate. Uh, and it was, I think it's the best gift I've ever given him. And then also I, you're familiar with the story that, uh, one of my father's cousins was killed at Pearl Harbor. And recently his remains were identified, were brought back to Missouri to be, um, and he was buried at, at the cemetery where he grew in the town where he grew up. And so I bought a brick to honor his service as well. And so these are, are ways to honor people that we love and yet really help with the remodel of the USMC Memorial Foundation uh, or the memorial. And people can get more information. What's that website, Paula Sarles? USMCMemorialFoundation.org. Again, that's USMCMemorialFoundation.org. And another way that you can help is uh, participate in this great poker tournament tomorrow, Saturday, at Felt's Bar in Inglewood, Colorado. Oh, wait, wait. I, I'm. That's right. Here, I'm thinking it's Friday already. Thank you, John. It is on Saturday, the 14th, at Felt's Bar in Inglewood. Uh, John, thank you so much for organizing this and for caring about the USMC Memorial Foundation. Thank you. It's my pleasure, and it's our organization's pleasure, because we're doing this for those guys. Okay, so John Powell, thank you. Paula Sarles, thank you for your tireless work on this. I greatly appreciate it. We appreciate you too, Kim. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And we get to do all these things and have these conversations because of my sponsors like Karen Levine. There are always opportunities in changing markets, and the metro real estate market is no exception. That is why you need to work with seasoned REMAX Alliance realtor Karen Levine when you buy your home, sell your home, consider the opportunities of a new build, or explore investment properties. Rising interest rates are spurring creativity, innovation, and opportunity in the real estate and mortgage markets. Kim Munson highly recommends award-winning REMAX realtor Karen Levine. Call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516 for answers to all your real estate questions. That's 303-877-7516. Our future depends on educated, informed, and active citizens. You can do your part by reading Dr. James Lyons Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. That's popularrationalism.substack.com. Franktown Firearms and Shooting Range keep their firearm and ammunition inventory up so you can get the lowest price at the best tax rate. Across the nation, inventory is down and sales are at record levels, leading consumers to pay higher prices at other businesses. Franktown brings in new items every week, which translates to lower pricing on your purchase. There are millions of first-time gun owners purchasing each year, showing that the demand is growing and prices are rising to meet that demand. Whether you're looking for a self-defense carry, hunting game, or using your firearms and ammunition for pest control, the folks at Franktown are fully stocked and ready to get you the right firearm at the right price. And this family-owned, family-operated gun store and range is proud to have the lowest tax rate possible, saving you even more. Find out more about Franktown Firearms at klzradio.com slash franktown today and fill out the form to get half off your initiation fee on membership. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. 
That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. It is Friday, and welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And just wanted to clarify, I'm kind of getting my dates mixed up. The charity poker tournament to benefit the USMC Memorial Foundation is next Saturday, October 14th. And you can get information by going uh, by emailing uh, John Powell, that is J.M. P-O-W-E-L-L-2001 at Comcast.net. But you can get that information. Go to USMCMemorialFoundation.org. So that is a week from Saturday. And then a week from Sunday, a climate conversation is scheduled to uh, broadcast on Newsmax at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. So wanted to make sure that I got all that clarified. Uh, again, want to say thank you to the National Shooting Sports Foundation for their sponsorship, their goal sponsorship of the show. Uh, and on the line with me is Art Arthur, and he is a resident fellow in law and policy for the Center for Immigration Studies, which is a Washington, D.C.-based research institute that examines the impact of immigration on American society. And uh, we have one of our listeners that texts in regularly. Uh, the The border is his, one of his issues. He's like, if we don't get this figured out we've got i mean we're in a very dangerous position and we are we just i just in um mentioned this news article that 2.8 million people have come across the border and the center for americans uh, excuse me the center for immigration studies is studying that so art arthur welcome to the show kim thanks so much for having me this morning well, there, there's a lot going on. Apparently, Biden has finally said he wants to do something about the border after 2.8 million people have come across the border this year. So, so what, what do you say about that, Art? Well, I, uh, actually, the number is a bit higher than that. 2.8 million is the number of aliens who have entered the United States legally who have been released into the country by the Biden administration. An additional 1.6 million aliens since uh, Joe Biden took office entered illegally, evaded Border Patrol agents that are now here. You know, I'm not an alarmist. I don't like to say, oh, the number's that much higher. But we actually are talking about um, about 4.4 million people who are now resident in the United States thanks to the Biden administration's policies. And that's a big part of the reason why the Biden administration has decided to change tech. Uh, if you Go back in history. Joe Biden actually really liked border barriers. Uh, but when he ran for president in 2020, he wanted to distance himself from Donald Trump. And so he was a big opponent. One of the first things he did to him was he put a pause on border wall construction, which was a problem because uh, Congress had already appropriated about $3 billion for border wall construction. That money just sat there. And uh Yesterday, the Secretary of Homeland Security announced that he was granting waivers to actually resume border wall construction. That was after Joe Biden had derived it. Part of that is legal uh, under the law, under the Impoundment Control Act of 1974. It has to spend the money. But a big part of that is political. It's uh, northern cities, including Denver, uh, are starting to feel the pinch of the migrant surges they perceive. 
So if I'm doing the math correctly, let's say there's about 330 million people in the in America are, are citizens of America. And so 10 percent of that's about 33 million. So 1 percent of that's about 3.3 million. So what you're saying is during the Biden administration, we have had well over 1 percent of people that have entered our country illegally. Am, am I? Do I have that right, Arthur? Yeah, no, that's absolutely correct, and that's the reason why we're seeing cities like Chicago, New York, uh, you know, Philadelphia, D.C. all straining under this migrant flow because it's actually worse than just adding one percent of the U.S. population. If you added one percent of uh, telephone line workers and plumbers or lawyers or you know accountants you know, those people would be able to care for themselves. This population that we're seeing coming in is primarily, and this is no knock on them, but they haven't really received the benefits of a good education. Most of them have spent all of their money paying the smugglers that brought them to this country. And a lot of them, a significant amount, more than half in the month of August, came in with kids. So, you know, this is, these are all pressures that are building on society. We have a social safety net I fully support it in this country. But, you know, these are folks who are coming in who are immediately drawing down that social safety net, which is why you see the anger that you've seen over the past couple of days in Chicago in particular, where the residents are saying, look, we've got problems, too. You're giving everything to them. Well, and I actually um, many years ago served on the board of Lutheran Family Services. And initially, I... You know, I, I was on the board as a volunteer because I, I care about people. I cared about um, adoption. I cared about seniors. I cared about people that wanted to come to our country because they had been persecuted in other countries. But as I started to, and I was on the board for six years, as I started to connect the dots, Art, I started to realize, first of all, that, you know, in the old days when immigrants came, they had a sponsor and they basically the sponsor might have and it might have been a family member or somebody that they knew, you know, they had rent, some cash assistance from these people or a charity for maybe a few months. But they then were expected to become productive members of the society. But then I started to connect the dots to what you said. There was cash assistance, rent assistance, uh, food assistance. And, and again, these, these are, are you know, things from the heart. But yet it was taking money from the American taxpayer that you know, we are getting squeezed, taking money from our veterans. But then the dot that I connected was at that time $12 million out of a $14 million budget was coming from government grants. And at that point, I realized that this was no longer a charity where people were giving money to it, but that that it was living off of government money. And that was a big aha for me. And so they're called NGOs, non-governmental organizations. And many times they appear like a charity, but they're really living off of the taxpayer. Please address that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, first I want to note that uh, Lutheran Immigrant Refugee uh, services and Catholic social services and uh, highest Hebrew immigrant aid society. They do great work. They really do. Uh, and I fully support them. The problem that we're seeing with this surge is that the Biden administration is increasingly drawing on what's called the emergency shelter and food program, which is through FEMA. 
And, of course, team of response to disasters that the Biden administration refuses to call this a disaster, but that's a different issue. That ESFP, Emergency Shelter Food Program, was established under the Reagan administration to provide aid to homeless Americans. That's the elderly, indigenous Americans, uh, and, you know, differently able uh, people who are in this country. But now that money is largely, and I mean largely, going to provide, you know, uh, housing, shelter, food, uh, and transportation for folks who have entered the United States illegally because the Biden administration refuses to turn off the tap, uh, to, you know, to close off the border, to actually detain those folks where the government would provide all those things for them uh, in, you know, shelters in the United States. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big problem. And there have been allegations that many of those, not the ones that I mentioned, but that some other organizations have drawn upon that and that they are, you know, now – Uh, receiving a steady flow of money for those purposes uh, to care for folks who are in the United States. We definitely see this at the border. I mean, uh, the shelters that have been along the border for decades, as long as I can remember, I've been doing this for 32 years, you know, are now almost an arm of the federal government. Border Patrol picks people up, they process them, and they drop them uh, off at those shelters at the uh, border. So, yeah, you know, if the American people really knew what was going on, uh, I think they'd be a little shocked that the Biden administration largely hides this and Congress doesn't discuss it much. Well, and the problem is, is, you know, everyday Americans are are struggling with, and again, it's public policy that's created this government-induced inflation, but higher taxes, uh, and we see higher taxes at the local, county, state, and national level. And everyday Americans are just, they're trying to keep it together, and we want to take you know, take care of our veterans and our elderly. And so this does not seem like it's sustainable to me, Art. Oh, no. In fact, we've well, we've, we've well gone past the point of sustainability of any of this. And you're going to really feel the impact of, uh, you know, the migrants who have come in, the millions who we're talking about, the three places. You're going to see it in the emergency rooms. We know that there's already an emergency room emergency in the United States not to be redundant because we just don't have enough beds in our emergency rooms. It's why the wait times have increased. And we know that people who don't have health insurance, including people who are here illegally, use the emergency room as their primary care physician. We're also going to see that in the schools. Uh, you know, people are coming in with kids. If you were to take just the unaccompanied alien children, Kim, uh, and put them in one school district, they would be the seventh largest school district in America. And that doesn't count, you know, probably about 700,000 children that came with their parents. Uh, and, you know, those schools are going to have to, you know, meet the needs of that new influx of children. Supreme Court said that uh, states have to pay for their uh, education through the end of high school. And, you know, a lot of those kids don't speak English. A lot of those kids have never gone to school. Schools are paid for in the United States, as you know, Kim, by property taxes. So when you see your property tax bill go up, it's for good reason, because they need to provide those services. Again, I'm not scapegoating anybody. I'm just simply telling you how the system's going to work. And the third place is in housing. We see we, we have a shortage of multifamily housing, as we refer to it in the United States, particularly at the margins. Very few builders want to build in you know underprivileged uh, communities, but that's where a lot of these folks are going. When you see all of those migrants in hotels in New York and you know camping out at O'Hare Airport, the reason that they're there is because there's nowhere else for them to go. There's no housing to place them in. 
So those are going to be the three places that we're really going to feel this. Again, no scapegoating, just simply telling you how this is going to work out. And Arthur, we have to have these honest conversations about this. And to be compassionate, certainly, and I want to address that with you, how to be compassionate. There's really three things, compassion on, on this issue, but then, you know, how is this affecting everyday Americans and the national security? So I, I really want to talk with Art Arthur. He's with the Center for Immigration Studies, and this is so important. But uh, before I go to break, I wanted to mention the Center for American Values, and they are non-political. They uh, are focusing on a couple of things, keeping these stories and of, of our Medal of Honor recipients, honor, honoring our Medal of Honor recipients, and then also education so that we understand these values of, of America, of honor, integrity, and patriotism. So they are located on the Riverwalk in Pueblo, Colorado. Pueblo is referred to as the home of heroes because four Medal of Honor recipients grew up there, which is pretty amazing. The center is open from 10 to 4, uh, seven days a week. Uh, highly would recommend uh, this would be one of your bucket list things to do is to go to the Center for American Values so that you can be inspired and also learn. Those are those two things. So, again, the um, website is AmericanValuesCenter.org. That's AmericanValuesCenter.org. We have these discussions because of sponsors, and one of those is Johnny Stubbs Heating and Air Conditioning Services. And as you all know, a Climate Conversation, which is, which is the documentary I'm involved in, uh, will be broadcast on Newsmax, or is scheduled to be, next Sunday the 15th, 7 p.m. And so as we talk about our climate in, you know, in the macro, your microclimate, your own heating and air conditioning, uh, you want to make sure that that works properly. And right now, get your furnace check done as it's getting cooler, and you will get a great gift from Johnny Stubbs Heating and Air Conditioning Services. Johnny Stubbs Services uses only the best quality products to ensure that your heating and cooling systems run efficiently and last for years. Johnny Stubbs Services' team of experts is available to provide the proper guidance and help you make informed decisions about your heating and cooling needs. Johnny Stubbs Services prides themselves on delivering prompt and reliable service and stands behind their work with a satisfaction guarantee. JohnnyStubbsServices.com, the trusted contractor for all your heating and air conditioning needs. That's JohnnyStubbsServices.com. If you are 62 or older, a reverse mortgage could be a great tool regarding retirement and estate planning. It is essential to understand the process. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group has nearly 20 years in the mortgage industry and has the experience to answer your questions. Lauren understands that each financial transaction is personal. If you'd like to explore your options on a reverse mortgage, remodel your home, buy a rental property, or move, Call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Licensed in 49 states, Kim Monson highly recommends Lauren Levy for all your mortgage needs. Call Lauren at 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. It's Friday, Friday. It is Friday. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. 
I am so pleased to have uh, Art Arthur on the line with me. He is the resident fellow in law and policy for the Center for Immigration Studies. And the Center for Immigration Studies is a Washington, D.C.-based research institute that examines the impact of immigration on American society. So, Art, first question, compassion. Uh, I think we all know people that have come to America uh, illegally that have become uh, and, and then gotten their, their citizenship and become very productive members of the society. They came here for the American dream, not for free stuff, but for freedom. And Americans are compassionate. I, we, we, many of us have an immigration story in our, you know, in our families. So somehow, though, it seems like these immigration stories of our families, American compassion, I feel is being used against us. And if we, if we overrun America, if we make, if we tax people out of their homes and, and tax them so much in their lives to, to pay for this other stuff, America is going to be in a very dangerous position. And when that happens, then where will people go if, if America falters? I, I mean, I feel like our compassion is being used against us. So how do you address that, Art? Yeah, and, you know, you make a, a very critical point there. Uh, you know, first, I want to tell you, I believe in immigration, and I want to support immigration in the United States. I named my son after the patron state of immigrants. So, and I've been doing this my entire career. I want to make sure that we continue to be an immigrant-receiving country. The problem is that our humanitarian instincts that you've laid out, uh, you know, are being exploited. But, you know, I'm not saying they're being exploited by the migrants. They're not. They're being exploited by the Biden administration, which has rebranded everybody who comes across the border illegally as an asylum seeker. That's reprehensible. I, the vast majority of people traditionally who have entered the United States illegally didn't have an asylum claim, weren't even coming seeking asylum. The Biden administration is even screening people for asylum claims before it releases them in the United States. We know that. I can tell you the uh, numbers for that uh, exactly. But, you know, it is this, uh, you know, the Biden, quite frankly, I don't even know why, uh, you know, the Oval Office, the White House, the Executive Office building, DHS, why they adopted these policies because they're not good for the United States. But what I will tell you is, uh, you know, flip over for just a moment to Barbara Jordan. Uh, for your listeners who aren't familiar with Ms. Jordan, she was a congresswoman from Texas, first African-American woman ever elected to Congress from the South. And President Clinton made her his chairman of the Commission on Immigration Reform. And Ms. Jordan said something that's very important for everybody to remember. Absent compelling circumstances, immigration in the United States should be based on skills. And she also said that immigration to the United States should take into account the most vulnerable members of our society. And she defined those as uh, members of minority groups, inner city youth, and immigrants who came here legally who have adjusted the life in the United States right now. People will tell you, oh, you know, it's an economic benefit to have millions of uh, unskilled workers in the United States. What they don't tell you is it's not an economic benefit to the people on the margins those people who are struggling to get their first job. Yeah, and I'm not scapegoating the people who are coming here. If you were to open the doors of the United States and tell me that I could make 10 times as much money here as I could back home, I'd take the offer, and I'd have no uh, beef with anybody who has taken that offer. The Biden administration ignores uh, those people that Barbara Jordan told us that we should consider the most. 
Jordan also made another important point that unfortunately is coming true. And that is that if we can't control illegal immigration, I'm, it, it, these were her words, I'm afraid that we will diminish uh, the interest of the American people in immigration generally. And that's legal immigration. We need to remain an immigrant receiving country. We need to, you know, hold on to, you know, the stories that you've talked about, to the poem that's carved into the pediment of the uh, Statue of Liberty. But that means that we have to limit illegal immigration to this country. It's just true. We can't be a country without borders. Joe Biden said that. Barack Obama said that. Bill Clinton famously said that. And so, you know, we need to get back to that. We need to, you know, address this issue. We need to protect, you know, the the public fisc. We need to protect our country. And I know you alluded to that very briefly. It's sort of been ignored. So... Um, you know, already in FY 2023, Border Patrol has stopped 151 people who are on the terrorist watch list. That's 50 times as many as in 2020. In 2019, they didn't stop anybody on the terrorist watch list. So this is an increasing problem. We also know, thanks to a leak by the administration to CNN, that more than 12 Uzbeki nationals were smuggled into the United States by a smuggler associated with ISIS. I was the former uh, uh, staff director for the National Security Subcommittee under Ron DeSantis and Jason Chaffetz. I was the former chief terrorist prosecutor for the INS, and I used to advise then Attorney General Janet Reno on, immig- on terrorism and immigration issues. And I can tell you, I've never seen a situation like this. I go back to the 9-11 report. I go back to the, you know, the... Uh, recommendations that they made, none of them are being followed. And there's a chapter in the 9-11 report called The System Was Blinking Red, which talked about, you know, all of this, all of these activities that we knew were going on, but we didn't stop. The system isn't blinking red anymore, Kim. It's melted down. So, Art Arthur, this is very scary. Uh, If people are living their lives, they're driving around, going to soccer games, and it seems like under the surface there is danger, danger. We've got about three minutes left. How would you address that? It's very easy to address that. In fact, Congress has already laid out a, a roadmap. You'll hear the Biden administration say we need immigration reform because the system's broken. In reality, the Biden administration broke the system. Uh, Congress in the Immigration and Nationality Act says all of those people who enter the United States illegally, everybody who you know doesn't have proper papers at the airport or at the border, are supposed to be detained. They're supposed to be detained until uh, they're either removed from the United States or until uh, there is an adjudication on their asylum claims. I was an immigration judge in a detained immigration court. I got a lot of border cases, and I could barely, very quickly uh, address the uh, asylum claims that were good and uh, dismiss the asylum claims that weren't good. This isn't a difficult system. We've been doing this for you know, more than 120 years in this country. We know how to do it right. We just need to get back to doing it. And uh, so what should everyday people do about this? Uh, and first of all, I think they should be informed and follow follow you. What What is your website? How can people get more information about the Center for Immig- uh, Immigration Studies? So, yeah, our website is cis.org. Uh, and you can find me. I write almost every day on immigration issues, a wide variety of immigration issues. But we have a lot of uh, 
great experts who, uh, who do great work. Todd Benzman actually goes to the other side of the border, and he interviews the migrants who are coming to the United States. George Fishman is the former chief counsel of the Immigration Subcommittee at uh, House Judiciary. You know, we have uh, experts who have done this before. We have consular officers on staff. Uh, you know, who talk about these various issues, these things that, you know, with due respect to the media, the media largely gets wrong or doesn't discuss at all, and that the Biden administration doesn't want to mention even a little bit. Uh, this is an, an issue that is so important. And again, uh, on our text line, I have one listener that, that he's, this is just his issue. It's like, if we don't get this uh, under control, it's, it's, you know, many of the other issues are not going to matter. Would you say that that's too strong of an assist, uh, of an assessment, Art Arthur? No, no, absolutely not, Tim. That person is dead on correct. Immigration touches on all aspects of our society, particularly the most dire ones right now. Health care, the economy, our schools, uh, our communities. Most of these people are good people. They really are. And, you know, like I said, I don't fault them for coming here. But, you know, we need to return to the rule of law at the border if we're ever going to return to the uh, rule of law in our cities and towns. Oh, Art Arthur, thank you so much. This has been so informative, and uh, we will get you back soon because this is such an important issue. And, again, that is Art Arthur with the Center for uh, Immigration Studies. So thank you so much. And our quote for the end of the show is from Winston Churchill. He said this. He said, this is no time for ease and comfort. It is time to dare and endure. So, my friends, today be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like super man stand for truth justice and the american way my friends you are not alone god bless you god bless america stay tuned for our number two and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district... What on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, I can't understand that. Today's current opinions and ideas. And it's not fair just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. And thank you so much for joining us. Happy Friday to all of you. Uh, I get to work with a great team, and that is producer Joe, producer Luke, Zach, Echo, Charlie, all the people here, here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Friday, producer Joe. Happy Friday, Kim. 
And I so appreciate each and every one of you out there as well. I thank you for listening. Uh, Each of you, you are treasured, you're valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. Check out our website. Um, Zach does a beautiful job with our website. So check that out. All kinds of great information. And uh, as we put our show summaries up, you'll see each of the days. And if you click on the, the image, it'll bring up the summary. In the summary is the podcast of that day's show. Uh, but also, you can actually get the podcasts of our shows on iTunes and Spotify as well. So there's a lot of different ways that you can listen to these shows, but each of those summaries are for each of the days. And I thank Joe and Zach for making that happen. So that is just really terrific. Uh, thank you to the National Shooting Sports Foundation for their goal sponsorship of the show. I'm just so pleased to have them. And I, I really have amazing sponsors. And I appreciate if you will give them your business because that's another w- a great way to support the show. Uh, they all strive for excellence as they work with their clients. And uh, so, again, I I know each and every one of them personally. You can go to my website and see who all my sponsors are and would greatly appreciate that. Our word of the day is ameliorate, and it is spelled A-M-E-L-I-O-R-A-T-E. It's a transitive or intransitive verb, and it means to make or become better, to improve. And uh, I really was pleased to have Art Arthur on with the Center for Immigration Studies, and we're going to get them on once a month. We need to make sure that we're hitting this issue every month as well. Uh, this is the sentence I created. I said, finally, there is at least there at least is a narrative from the Biden administration that there will be some action to ameliorate the human tragedy and significant national security risks that is happening at our southern border. Now, we remember 9-11 was, what, 20 bad guys. And look what they did to our country. And he said that just this last year, I think that there was a hundred and I wrote it down, I think 151 people that are on the watch list. So I'll just put it in my terms, 151 bad guys that came across the border. We knew they were bad guys. We were looking out for them and they're, you know, they were trying to get across the border. If out of two point eight million people, and he said it was really more like four point something million people that have come across the the border illegally since uh, the Biden administration um, took office. Uh, we we got to figure that there's probably some bad guys that came across the border, and what this is does for for our national security is significant. And then, meanwhile, back at the ranch, you've got radical activist Democrats that are trying to pass laws that will make it more difficult for everyday people to own firearms to protect themselves. And that that's foundational in our country, that we could carry firearms so that we could protect ourselves against the bad guys. So let's connect this dot. Bad guys coming across the border because of bad public policy, and yet public policy is trying to disarm everyday people from protecting themselves. So what's wrong with that picture? I guess that would be the question. What is wrong with that picture? Our quote of the day is uh, on Fridays. I am sharing these quotes from the Medal of Honor quote book from the Center for um, American Values. And the Center for American Values is a non-political organization located in Pueblo, Colorado, and, and certainly honoring our Medal of Honor recipients, but also 
educational programs that that focus on this these foundational values of America of honor, integrity, and patriotism. And so go to their website, AmericanValueCenter.org, to get all of the information. We're coming up on Veterans Day here in November, and of course Christmas, Hanukkah in December, and this is a fabulous gift. Uh, this little Medal of Honor quote book, and it is totally inspirational. So be sure and check that out again. That website is AmericanValuesCenter.org. And our quote of the day was is from Reginald R. Myers, United States Marine Corps, Medal of Honor recipient, born 1919, died 2005. He was awarded the Medal of Honor for actions he took during the Korean War. It's pretty amazing. And uh, he says, God bless our Corps and our country. Semper Fi. And uh, so, again, I would recommend that you get this little Medal of Honor quote book and have that in your home for your Freedom Library. And as we have mentioned, uh, a climate conversation, which is the documentary that uh, I'm involved with, that I narrated, uh, and there's expert scientists in, in the documentary. It is the brainchild of Walt Johnson. Uh, he is a f- over 50 years. He's been in the business as a geophysicist. And he said, I want to have an honest conversation about the climate. And he took his own money out of his retirement to fund this film. And it is so important. We rolled it out last week at Rockley's Event Center out on West Colfax. It is scheduled to be on Newsmax uh, on Sunday, the 15th at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, and so there's so many conversations about the macroclimate. But you want to make sure that your microclimate is working well. And the business that can help you with that is Johnny Stubbs Heating and Air Conditioning Services. And we have John Lennon, the owner, on the line. John, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. How are you doing today? Well, good. And now it's getting cooler. I now am am turning on my furnace. And thank you, uh, because uh, during my air conditioning check, in, in the summer, we realized that I, I was going to have some issues with my furnace in the fall. So we went ahead and put in a new furnace, and I thank you for that because I turn on the thermostat, I take it for granted, it turns on, I, it's safe, and I so appreciate you, Robert, and your whole team over there. Yeah, well, we really appreciate you trusting us with your home and with your uh, listeners also. Um, it's an honor to be on the show and be able to talk to you every week and learn a lot of new things that you've got going on and, and how you're helping the community stay uh, aware and moving forward in the right direction. Well, you know, and I talk about the, the documentary and, and the macro. We hear climate, climate, climate. But we take it for granted. I mean, it used to be a, a very difficult thing to heat your home in the winter. You had to collect wood or whatever, you you know, uh, fireplaces, uh uh, or wood stoves, I mean, they're effective, not as effective as just turning on my thermostat, but it's a lot of work. There's a lot of, it's kind of dirty. I mean, we take for granted our our own personal climates. And when it's not working, then people want to talk to you immediately, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We get some uh, some emergency calls, which we're always happy to get to customers as quickly as possible. And it's it is a big deal, especially coming into winter. If your furnace isn't working properly and uh, it gets really, really cold, obviously we've got uh, potential for pipes to freeze, and now we've got water, and that's a whole big other mess we don't want to deal with. So a properly functioning furnace is definitely what we want to keep you comfortable and keep the house safe. Um, 
and then doing the, the cleaning check that we offer um, is always a good idea in the aspects of making sure that it does cycle on and is going to run throughout the, the winter months and have just a reliable uh, source of heat. And then we kept temperature rise, which is a major component in the aspects of maintaining a good heat exchanger. Because if we overheat that heat exchanger, we can start to crack it, and then that's when CO gets into the house, and that's that's the dangerous stuff. So we really like to get those cleaning checks done to make sure everyone's safe and, and that the system's going to function properly through the, through the heating months. Well, and that's what we you found with my uh, furnace when we did the the maintenance in in the uh, springtime for my air conditioner, is that I, I, something I think it happened to like the pipes and it it had the potential if if we didn't address it that I could have gotten to an unsafe spot in my home and nobody wants to ever do that. That's why these clean and checks are so important. Taking care of your equipment is so important, but just that's the, for that component, but also to make sure that the home is comfortable and it's safe, John. Yes, I agree with you 100%. So there's, there's a, a safety factor to it and then efficiency and comfort level. So those are the things we're looking at when we're there, just making sure that the equipment's safe to operate but it's functioning correctly, and then we adjust the temperature rise so it's running as most efficiently as it can. So, and then the big question we always get is, well, what temperature should I have it in the house? And like, it's really up to you. So the body doesn't regulate anything less than three degrees. So, seventy, you know, to seventy-three, the body doesn't know the difference unless you look at an actual thermostat and see that temperature. So I always say. Set it where you're comfortable and let the equipment run and do its thing. Um, the whole, the way the equipment's gone, and if you, it's designed to maintain a temperature now, not overcome a temperature. So if you leave for work, you're gone all day, and you set it back to, say, 58 degrees, and you come home and you want it 72 degrees, it's a lot of temperature for it to rise. And with multiple stage equipment, which a lot of people have nowadays, it's running in high fire, and that's going to be the most expensive way to run the equipment because, say, we're running 100,000 BTUs at high fire, whereas if we had a two-stage piece of equipment and it was running at 70% of that capacity, so 70,000 BTUs, and we're just maintaining the temperature in the house, then we're running more efficiently. We're using 30% less energy. Both the blower motor runs less electricity that puts the air, but then also we're not putting as much gas into the system either. So it's always better to maintain a temperature in your home nowadays than to do the up and down pitches and swings like we used to, that everyone used to growing up. You know, when you leave the house, you set the thermostat back, you come home, you turn it up. So that's kind of gone away and the equipment's, adapted to just maintain and it has become more efficient that way also fascinating and and now is the time to to have you guys come out and do this clean and check but this is all just so fascinating to me but also for kim munson show listeners when they um, schedule their clean and check they get a cool little gift from johnny stubbs heating and air conditioning services and uh, your website what is your website john lennon so it is uh, johnnystubbsservices.com. 
and that's J-O-H-N-N-Y-S-T-U-B-B-S services.com. John, I learned so much from you, and again, that is johnnystubservices.com for help with all your heating and air conditioning needs. Get that clean and check scheduled now, and we will talk to you next week, John. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful weekend. You as well. And uh, just, uh, again, I highly recommend Johnny Stubbs Heating and Air Conditioning Services. And another great sponsor is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. And they can create personalized insurance plans to cover all your needs, from protection for your cars to your home, condo, boat, motorcycle, business, and renter's coverage. Contact the Roger Mangan Team now at 303-795-8855 for a uh, complimentary appointment. Like a good neighbor, the Roger Mangan Team is there. Rosie's doing it. So is Yvonne. Same with Lori. Michelle's been at it since February of last year. Jody started the year before that. And guess what? They're all saving by doing so. What's that? Oh, the doing part? They're using the Drive Safe and Save app from State Farm. Then they're saving up to 30% and more on their auto insurance. How about you? Are you ready to get at it and save? Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855. Don't delay. Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855 today. There are always opportunities in changing markets, and the metro real estate market is no exception. That is why you need to work with seasoned REMAX Alliance realtor Karen Levine when you buy your home, sell your home, consider the opportunities of a new build, or explore investment properties. Rising interest rates are spurring creativity, innovation, and opportunity in the real estate and mortgage markets. Kim Munson highly recommends award-winning REMAX realtor Karen Levine. Call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516 for answers to all your real estate questions. That's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. It's it is Friday, and welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Housing, uh, affordable housing, we hear about that all the time. It's important to understand that Affordable housing is actually typically subsidized housing. And that means that you have to take money from somebody to subsidize something for somebody else. But in the metro area here in uh, the Denver metro area, uh, every it seems like every mayor, every city council person is talking about affordable housing. And the person that we that I like to go to as an expert in land use and uh, transportation is Randall O'Toole. You can find him at... The Anti-Planner, and which is dedicated to the sunset of government planning. Randall O'Toole, welcome to the show. Hi, glad to be here. It is great to have you, Randall. And uh, first question, I mean, we've had you on regularly, but affordable housing and housing that is affordable are two different things, correct? Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of people get confused by this. 
Um, affordable housing, as you said, is subsidized housing. Uh, it might be subsidized by the government. It might be subsidized by a charity. It might be subsidized by a church. Uh, but it's sub subsidized housing for people who simply can't afford any housing at all. But housing affordability is a general measure of a housing market of whether it's affordable to people in that market. And, and it works like this. Um, you find out what, what is the median income, uh, median family income in your market. Families buy homes. So what's the median family income? And let's, let's say it's $100,000. Uh, you know, it's probably less than that, but that's, we'll just use that as an average. And then you say, ask, what's the median value of a home? What's the median price of a home? And let's, let's say it's $300,000. Well, then the, the ratio of the median price to the median income or the price to income ratio is 3 to 1. Well, if it's 3 to 1, you can probably get a mortgage on a home and pay 30% uh, of your income to pay off the mortgage. That's the rule. You can't pay more than 30% of your income on, on, on a mortgage. Randall, I'm going to Randall, Randall, I'm going to stop for just a moment. Um, somehow the connection is a little wonky, and I think it's so important that people hear every word that you have to say. So uh, I, I'd like Joe to just uh, have you guys jump off and try to get you back on because this is so important. I'm talking with Randall O'Toole, so let's just have uh, you guys jump off and do a reconnection on that, and I'll try to just um, uh, recap on what Randall O'Toole had to say here. And so. All right. it, it, Sounds good. So, Joe, if you'll get him back on, let's just check that line because we want to hear every word. And so affordable housing is subsidized housing. <clears throat> so that means your your young family here that is, may be in their home, uh, of course, they're seeing inflation uh, pressures. They're seeing tax pressures on their home. Uh, but you're seeing then also taxes being taken from them to subsidize somebody else's housing. So you have to say, why? how can that be fair? But so there's a difference between subsidized housing and housing affordability. And so what Randall had said is, is for example, you might take a median family income, say it's $100,000, and um, that they would buy a home, I think, for 300000 There's this three-to-one ratio. That would mean that about 30% of their income might be used for their housing. So, of course, I love the fact if they are, are getting into a home, or a condo or townhome where they are actually starting to create equity instead of just paying on uh, rent, which they do not create any equity. That's why buying, selling a home, Karen Levine is your person for that. And of course, getting your mortgage would be Lauren Levy, uh, who's an expert in the mortgage arena, both sponsors of this show. But then when you see the supply is being constricted because of public policy, and then you're also seeing public policy that's using, let's say, economic development dollars to bring more people into the community or an open border that are bringing more people into the community. So you're increasing demand, reducing supply. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out there's going to be an upward pressure on housing prices. And then what you see is PBIs, these politic, uh, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties want to come in with a government solution. So, Randall O'Toole, I tried to set that up. Just finish up this three-to-one ratio that you were talking about um, before we uh, tried to get reconnected. All right. Well, the, the, the 
simple point is that the, if the median price of a house is three times the median family income, then the median family can afford to buy a house. And then we have to assume that the distribution of incomes in the community is approximately the same, you know, low income, median income, high income, as a distribution of housing prices. There's low cost housing and medium cost housing and high cost housing. And so uh, if it's three to one, then most people can afford a home. Um, back in 1970, the only place in the United States where housing cost three times incomes, median, median price, home prices were three times median incomes, was Hawaii. Everywhere else, housing was more like two times median incomes, which means you could buy a house and pay it off in 15 years or less. And so housing was affordable everywhere, even San Francisco, even Boulder, even Aspen, you know, everywhere. Housing prices were about two times median incomes, except for Hawaii, because Hawaii was the first state in the country to try to restrict supply of housing. Uh, they passed a law in 1961 that restricted the amount of land that would be available for housing in the state to less than 10% of the state. So uh, the uh, housing was affordable everywhere. It was marginally affordable in Hawaii. Today, things are very, very different. Uh, nationwide, the average home price is about is more than three times median family incomes. So already the average for the entire nation is, is worse than Hawaii was in 1970. But in many places like Boulder, we're talking about 10 times, you know, 8 to 10 times incomes. Median home prices are 8 to 10 times median family incomes. There's no way you can afford that. If it's more than five, uh, you can't get a loan. It, you know, there's no way, even if you pay, pay it off for 30 years, uh, even if you make a huge down payment, you can't afford it. So when housing prices get to be more than five times median family income, there's going to be a lot of people who can't afford housing at all. So then we come back to the affordable housing issue. Should the government, on the one hand, make housing expensive, and then on the other hand, spend a lot of taxpayer dollars trying to provide affordable housing for all the people that the government has priced out of the market. And that's what's going on here is the government has made housing expensive, and then it taxes everybody and spends tens of billions of dollars a year trying to provide affordable housing for the people at the lower end of the, of the income scale so that they can afford to live everywhere. And, and this is an insane policy right there that government deliberately makes housing unaffordable and then spends our money trying to provide affordable housing for some of the low-income people in the market. They never will be able to do it for all of them, so they end up doing it for a, few, a favored few. And and so I want to talk then about what is happening in in Colorado. I'm I'm talking with Randall O'Toole. He's an expert in land use transportation, and has really explained how we've gotten to this point. 
And so then the question is what to do. And so, so when we come back, we will address that, uh, that particular question. Uh, and we have these important discussions because of great sponsors. One of those, I want to say thank you to the National Shooting Sports Foundation for their sponsorship of the show. And then Lauren Levy, as we are talking about trying to, to get a mortgage, uh, or there's reverse mortgages as well, but just anything mortgage, Lauren Levy is your expert. If you are 62 or older, a reverse mortgage could be a great tool regarding retirement and estate planning. It is essential to understand the process. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group has nearly 20 years in the mortgage industry and has the experience to answer your questions. Lauren understands that each financial transaction is personal. If you'd like to explore your options on a reverse mortgage, remodel your home, buy a rental property, or move, Call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Licensed in 49 states, Kim Monson highly recommends Lauren Levy for all your mortgage needs. Call Lauren at 303-880-8881. Johnny Stubbs Services uses only the best quality products to ensure that your heating and cooling systems run efficiently and last for years. Johnny Stubbs Services' team of experts is available to provide the proper guidance and help you make informed decisions about your heating and cooling needs. Johnny Stubbs Services prides themselves on delivering prompt and reliable service and stands behind their work with a satisfaction guarantee. JohnnyStubbsServices.com, the trusted contractor for all your heating and air conditioning needs. That's JohnnyStubbsServices.com. Our future depends on educated, informed, and active citizens. You can do your part by reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. That's popularrationalism.substack.com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. It is Friday. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Something's a good idea. You should not have to force people to do it. And October 14th is this really fun poker tournament at... Uh, uh, for the USMC Memorial Foundation, and you can get more information about it by going to USMCMemorialFoundation.org, and then the banner at the very top of the website will get you to the information on that. We had Paula Sarles and John Powell on in the first hour to talk about that, but again, go to uh, USMCMemorialFoundation.org for more information. Randall O'Toole is on the line. You can find him at the Antiplanner, and he is an expert in land use and transportation so, Randall O'Toole, you, you've described, you've, we understand now how we got to this problem. Government had reduced the supply through government policy of, of, uh, uh, of building homes. Uh, and then now, of course, billions of dollars are being spent for affordable housing. I call it the affordable housing industrial complex because there are people that are making a lot of money. Uh, on this particular problem. And when that happens, I don't think we'll ever, ever really totally get it solved until we start to have real discussions about it. But in Denver, uh, 
we are seeing transit-orientated development. There's these three, four-story apartment buildings up and down the light rail line, which people are not riding the light rail at this time, but they continue to build these apartment buildings, which are very expensive. People are not able to create, you know, grow equity through home ownership or condos or, or townhomes, but are in, in these apartment buildings. And, uh, I had a conversation with somebody the other day that said, Kim, okay, I understand the problem, but the answer, the only answer to this is density. What would you say to that, Randall O'Toole? The problem is that people think density makes housing more affordable, and it's exactly the opposite. Density is expensive. Density costs a lot of money. These four- and five-story apartment buildings you're seeing cost twice as much to build per square foot as it costs to build single-family homes. If you want to provide more affordable housing, you provide more, you build more single-family homes. But there's a... Uh, ideology in the urban planning profession that density is good. And so let's just overlook the fact that density is expensive. Let's just overlook the fact that nobody's riding light rail. Let's just overlook the fact that people want to live in single-family homes. They don't want to live in apartments. We're going to build dense housing for them because we know that's how everybody should live. So uh, how they do that? Well, they subsidize it. And how do they subsidize it? They use affordable housing funds. So we're taking these affordable housing funds, and instead of building single-family homes, which would cost about 100 to $150 a square foot to build, we're building tiny apartments. that We're spending $300 a square foot or more on these tiny apartments, and uh, then saying, oh, look, they're affordable. Well, they're affordable because we've built, you know, 600 or 800 square foot apartments instead of 1,100 or 1,500 square foot homes, which would actually cost less. And so we end up sticking people, uh, low-income people, into these apartments, and, and we made them into second-class citizens. We said, okay, you deserve... You don't deserve to live in a single-family home. You don't deserve to have the benefits of home ownership. Or if you do, if you buy a home through our affordable housing programs, you won't deserve to be able to resell it at fair market value. You can only sell it for what you paid for it, plus a little bit for inflation. So we made low-income people into second-class citizens when if we didn't have all the restrictions on building single-family homes, we could have plenty of housing for most, if not all, of those low-income people. But then the government is not controlling the housing. So that's, I think a lot of it comes to government control. But people will say, well, Kim, uh, there's only a certain amount of land. And so, uh, and, uh, you know, we want to, uh, we're concerned about urban sprawl. And then also we're concerned about teachers and police officers and firefighters that uh, can't afford to live in the communities where they work. And so wh- how would you address all that, Randall O'Toole? Well, all, all of the urban land in Colorado covers about 1.8% of the state. So there's 98.2% of the state is available for more housing. And if, if they didn't have urban growth boundaries, if you didn't have green belts, if you didn't have other restrictions on 
uh, housing, then people would build homes throughout Colorado, and it would cover maybe 1.9% of the state, you know, maybe 2% of the state if, if we did, did that for 50 years. Uh, I think we can devote, you know, another tenth or uh, two-tenths of a percent of land of the, in the state to housing so that people can afford housing and they can afford the housing they want. And if we did that, then the number of people who wouldn't be able to afford housing and who would need affordable housing, subsidized housing, would be very small. But we've made that number very large by making housing expensive. Then we build the wrong kind of housing for them. We build expensive apartments for them rather than inexpensive single-family homes which means we take the, the money that is being spent on affordable housing and we don't use it very effectively. We'll build only half as many housing units as we could afford to build if we were building single-family homes instead of apartments. And so we're, we're hurting those uh, workers you're talking about. Now, the, the teachers and the policemen and the other professions that I know make a lot of money. So they're not the ones who are having a hard time finding housing. Um, mostly they're unionized and they, they do very well. But there are people who have a hard time finding housing. And uh, we've, we've committed the dual sin of first, increasing housing costs, which hurts them, and second, providing housing they don't want that's really expensive, which means they're not providing much of it, uh, which, which hurts them and which hurts everybody else because they have to pay the cost too. So Randall O'Toole, the, the anti-planner, said, uh, and your byline is dedicated to the sunset of government planning. Uh, yes. And I, I served on city council for four years. And what, what I'm seeing is every city has a planning department. And then you've got city planners that in in the planning department. And many of these young people that have come out of public administration programs in colleges, they are being indoctrinated to to plan like you were just describing. At least that's from what from what I can see. Would you say that's a correct assessment? Yes. And you know pe- people don't really understand how cities work and urban planners are among those people. They don't understand how cities work. Cities are really complicated. I mean, the Denver metro area has more than 2 million people in it. And all those 2 million people have different hopes and aspirations and desires. They have different incomes. They want to spend their incomes differently. And it's really complicated to figure out what all those people want. Jobs are not located all, all located downtown like they used to be. They're spread out all over the place. Uh, you also have schools that are spread out. You have recreation areas. You have retail centers. You have all kinds of economic centers that are located all over the place. And it's really complicated. So what urban planners do is they simplify everything. They pretend we are living in the 19th century when all the jobs are downtown. So they design a light rail system where all the trains go downtown because it's just easy to th- easier to think about it that way. They pretend that a lot of people are going to live in apartments like they did in the 19th century because uh, they couldn't afford to live in single-family homes because uh, they didn't have any transportation to get them to 
to their jobs. And so they had to live in apartments close to their jobs so they could be within walking distance of those jobs. So they, they make things up. They, they rely on uh, how people used to live rather than how people live today. And uh, they follow fads. Fads are really popular in the urban planning profession. And the really sad thing was that in the 1950s, urban planners were building uh, high-rise housing all over the United States. And uh, an architectural critic named Jane Jacobs wrote a book saying, high-rise housing is awful. Urban planners don't understand how people want to live. They're doing it wrong. And she said... She lived in a neighborhood that had mid-rise housing, four- to five-story buildings. And she said, this is wonderful. You shouldn't tear down my four- and five-story apartment building and build high-rises because people love to live in four- and five-story buildings. And urban planners read this book and said, we were wrong. She was right. Instead of trying to force everybody to live in high-rises, let's try to force everybody to live in mid-rise buildings. And so they got it just as wrong as they did before. Uh, they're just forcing people to live in a different kind of housing when really most people want to live in single-family homes. Single-family homes are the most affordable kind of housing you can build. Uh, after World War II, you had developers building single-family homes and selling them for well under $10,000. That's under $100,000 in today's money. And, uh, you know, huge numbers of people bought them. We need to go back to that that time when developers can build what people want rather than having the government build what people don't want. Uh, I totally agree. This came in on the text line. It says, Kim, I think you are uh, confusing some listeners. Subsidized housing is welfare housing, whether it's government or charity, uh, and they receive special um a special tax treatment. And that was one of the big ahas that I've come up with. That's one of the reasons why I am a strong no on the Douglas County School District property tax increases, because people are already going to see a huge property tax increase here in Colorado. But what I've learned is this, this subsidized housing, this government housing, is in many of these apartment buildings, if they're being built and there's some kind of a connection with a nonprofit, they're not paying property taxes on these apartment buildings, and that tax burden is being pushed off again over here to the single-family uh, homeowners. And there is something so inherently unfair and wrong about that, Randall. Well, some of them are paying property taxes and some of them aren't. There's a whole lot of different programs that are used to subsidize affordable housing. And you can call it welfare housing if you want. You can call it subsidized housing. Uh, it's called affordable housing, which just kind of disguises what's, what's really going on. But uh, it used to be that the government built the housing itself. And you've got really crummy apartment buildings that, uh, you know, the doorknobs would fall off and they'd put in elevators, but they were too cheap to have the elevators stop at every floor. So half the people had to get off and the elevator and then walk up or down a flight of stairs to get to their apartment. You know, really crummy buildings. Some of them, they blew up after just 17 years because nobody wanted to live in them. So in 1986, Congress... Uh, under, you know, the fiscally conservative Republicans were running Congress. They came up with a great idea that let's have the private market build the housing, and uh, we'll just give them tax breaks when they do. 
And so they created this program where you get tax breaks to build the housing and hope that private developers would build it. Uh, and it sounds great on paper. They also said, uh, let's have a certain percentage of it be done by nonprofit organizations, you know, like Habitat for Humanity or Mercy Housing. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Mercy Housing. Well, the executive director of Mercy Housing makes like $500,000 a year. And uh, they have several, uh, quite a few vice presidents who make over $200,000 a year. So it's really merciful. So you have the Habitat for Humanity and Mercy Housing that gives a patina of uh, uh, altruism in, in these housing developments. Well, they're not interested in making housing more affordable for the region. So they don't care about the urban growth boundaries. They don't care about the green belts that have made housing more expensive. The more housing is expensive, the more demand there is to give them money to build more affordable housing. So they end up um, making a lot of money building this affordable housing, and they aren't the only ones. They, they're really just a front. They hired private developers. They hired private architects. They hired private consultants to plan these buildings, and they end up costing uh, a lot of money. As, as I say, they cost about twice as much per square foot to build as, as single-family homes. And and we we just have what you describe accurately described as the affordable housing industrial complex. It consists of the nonprofit groups, the the private co- contractors, the uh, architects, and the uh, uh, the bureaucracies that hand out all the money. Boy, Randall O'Toole, I learn so much every time that you're on. People can find you at the Anta Planner, and it says, dedicated to the sunset of government planning. We can fix this, but we have to have these honest conversations first and foremost. Randall O'Toole, thank you. We will have you on again soon. I greatly appreciate these conversations. Thank you. Enjoy talking with you. Uh, and we get to do this because of great sponsors, and one of those is a Boson Law. Boson Law is a local law firm dedicated to helping injured individuals in Denver and the surrounding areas fight for the justice they deserve. Boson Law focuses on personalized representation tailored to your unique situation with one-on-one attention and counsel and consistent communication. Boson Law personal injury attorneys have extensive trial experience and have successfully represented clients against the interests of powerful corporations, manufacturers, insurance companies, and government agencies. Contact Boson Law at 303-999-9999 for a complimentary in-person consultation. Again, that number is 303-999-9999. Call now at 303 999 9999. Focused and wise marketing is essential for your success, especially during tough economic times. If you love the Kim Munson Show, strive for excellence and understand the importance of engaging in the battle of ideas that is raging in America. Then talk with Kim about partnership, sponsorship opportunities. Email Kim at KimMunson.com. Kim focuses on creating relationships with individuals and businesses that are tops in their fields. So they are the trusted experts listeners turn to when looking for products or services. Kim personally endorses each of her sponsors. Again, reach out to Kim at KimMunson.com. 
Franktown Firearms and Shooting Range keep their firearm and ammunition inventory up so you can get the lowest price at the best tax rate. Across the nation, inventory is down and sales are at record levels, leading consumers to pay higher prices at other businesses. Franktown brings in new items every week, which translates to lower pricing on your purchase. There are millions of first-time gun owners purchasing each year, showing that the demand is growing and prices are rising to meet that demand. Whether you're looking for a self-defense carry, hunting game, or using your firearms and ammunition for pest control, the folks at Franktown are fully stocked and ready to get you the right firearm at the right price. And this family-owned, family-operated gun store and range is proud to have the lowest tax rate possible, saving you even more. Find out more about Franktown Firearms at klzradio.com slash franktown today and fill out the form to get half off your initiation fee on membership. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. It is Friday. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Uh, wanted to mention, again, the Center for American Values, located in Pueblo, Colorado, on the beautiful Riverwalk. They're focused focused on two things, uh, honoring our Medal of Honor recipients with their beautiful portraits of valor. Uh, it is, it's so inspiring, and I recommend that you put that on your bucket list of things to do, but also to uh, do these educational programs so that we know these values of America, of honor, integrity, and patriotism. And they just started this great new online K-12 through civics uh, program, and you can get more information about all that by going to... AmericanValueCenter.org. They are a non-political organization, and that is AmericanValueCenter.org. Uh, our ballots are going to drop here a week from Monday is when they first will be mailed out. And there's a lot of city council races, uh, school board races, and any candidate that reaches out to me, I will get them on the show. And we have Kurt Kestein on the line. Uh, Kurt, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me. You've decided to run for school board for the Pooter School District, correct? That's exactly right, yep. First question is, why? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I've been knocking on a lot of doors. Um, folks come to the door and I say, hey, you know, I'm Kurt, out here to, to meet you, and I'm running for school board. And lots of folks kind of look at me and say, wow, why? That's such a complicated thing these days. And, you know, to me, Kim, I'm, I'm convicted. There are 30,000 kids in the Poudre School District in northern Colorado. And th there's two things. They deserve our attention. They deserve a good education. And they define our future. They're the next generation of our leaders. Um, and I want to be involved in helping make that right. So how many members are there on the Poudre School District Board? There are seven. And there are four seats open in this coming election. And can everybody in uh, the Pooter School District vote for you, or how does that work, Kurt? Yeah, that's a good question. We run by district, so there are seven districts. And um, I have uh, the districts are geographically located. Mine happens to be southwest Fort Collins. Um, I have one opponent. But the vote is at large. 
So the four district seats that are up uh, for election, the whole city will vote in all four of those districts. Okay. And next question, this is a big issue out there, and that is parental rights. What's your view on parental rights? Yeah, parents are are front and center, right? They are the ones that have the responsibility for the health and well-being of their child. And that spills into every aspect of life, of course. Mental health, physical health, emotional health, social health. Um, and the well-being of their kids, they, they are the ones that choose their education and, um, and partner with the school district to get them that education. But parents need to have the rights to, to stay out front in all the key decisions for their kids, even those that occur within the bounds of the school when they fill into the areas that parents have ultimate responsibility for. And um, I'm a strong believer in making sure that's right. And, of course, like I said, rights come with responsibilities. Um, Parents have responsibility on all the things I mentioned, but then also to partner with teachers, make sure kids are ready for the classroom, and respect teachers and respect kids so that they can get on the job of education. Well, and, Kurt, as I've looked at at some of the numbers throughout Colorado, I'm seeing that that kids are not proficient in reading, writing, arithmetic. Um, many of them are not learning civics, history. Uh, and I, I think it's important that parents know what is happening in the classroom. In fact, when my kids were young, I was in, I called it Thursday folders. It was basically kind of like grunt work, but I would go in and collate all the information that would go home with kids in their Thursday folders. But I was in the classroom. I got to know the parents. I was, you know, I was, you know, taking a look at what was going on. And I really think this transparency in curriculum in the classroom is important. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Yeah, transparency is very important. Um, There's no reason that uh, parents or anyone from the public, for that matter, can't understand what the curriculum is for a particular public school class. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that they need to be in, in in the classroom making sure that, uh, you know, things are being taught the right way all the time. Um, there, there certainly is a separation between parents and, and teachers. But understanding what the curriculum is uh, has to be documented, has to be made available, and and that should be the case. So, and one of our listeners just texted me this, and and. I've I have been concerned that, uh, for example, mental health is is a issue, and I've I've seen legislation that, you know, we want all of our our kids to be healthy, uh, in all ways. But I'm concerned that what I have seen is under the guise of mental health, that that well, for example, there's legislation that was passed here in Colorado recently, that uh, said that kids ages 12 and up could have permission to take psychotropic drugs without their parents knowing. So when I talk about transparency, those kinds of things are very important to me, Kurt. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, I think the, the public school needs to have policies around that that make I, – I, I don't support um, getting kids in front of uh, the, the kind of help that you're talking about, Kim, without parent consent. Because the kids can get it means that the professional can't 
immediately go to the parent and say, hey, your kid is here. You know, are you sure you want that to be the case? Um, I just don't want us to create a pipeline there where the school just automatically sends kids with issues to, you know, psychoanalysts. I don't think that's the right way to handle things. Okay. And I talked we... a lot about, yeah, go ahead. Go No, go ahead. Finish up. Yeah, I was just going to say that, um, you know, we talk about mental health, and it is it is a real issue, and kids are struggling for sure. It needs, again, to be a partnership with parents because parents need to be in the loop. They need to understand that. Um, I think that you'll hear other candidates sort of what I would call sort of the establishment today in public schools. They'll say that, well, you know, we care about the kid's whole being, all you know, the, the whole kid. Um, and, of, of course, that's true, but it's not your responsibility. You have to come alongside parents. You have to help kids, but you cannot uh, own their futures and really um, take the responsibility that we talked about upon yourself. It's not the school's ultimate responsibility. Okay. Courage, we're just about out of time. How can people get more information about you? Yeah, my website is KurtForPSD.com. So K-U-R-T-F-O-R-P-S-D, PooterSchoolDistrict.com. That's the easiest way to check in. My email address is there. My phone number is there. And I'm happy to hear from folks and understand what they're thinking. Okay. And again, I want to make sure I get that right. That's Kurt, K-U-R-T-F-O-R-P-S-D dot, did you say dot com? Correct. Okay. Kurt Kastein, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate being on your show, Kim. Thank you. And uh, our quote for the end of the show is from Winston Churchill. And uh, he said this. uh, He said, this is no time for ease and comfort. It's time to dare and endure. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Young, like a new moon rising, fierce through the rain and lightning, wandering out into this great unknown. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell them if I don't survive. Views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.